Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the CEOs, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Today, Lewis and Ann are speaking with Liesl Bernard, founder of Cannabis Team. While everyone seems to be focused on the financial side of the legal marijuana industry, the social justice and social equity issues, and the cultural side of the plant, at its core, cannabis has always been a phenomenal job creator. President McDonald Trump has talked a lot about the beauty of jobs in the dirty business of coal, but legal cannabis long ago surpassed that dying fossil fuel as a major force in job creation. Think about this. There are about 40,000 total jobs related to the coal industry in the United States right now, but more than 120,000 in legal marijuana. So if you want to get out of your boring traditional job and into the legal cannabis industry, this is the episode for you. Don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to our interview with Liesl Bernard of Cannabis Team. Hi, Lewis. Hi, Anne. It's been a long time. How are you? I know. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine. Did you miss me as much as I missed you? No, definitely not. Definitely not. This is, this, by the way, is my life in a nutshell. The women in my life, they, you tolerate me. You really, really tolerate me. I mean, to be fair, it's Friday. It is. Thank so. God it's Friday. And I get to spend all weekend again on a little league field in bumfuck Pennsylvania this weekend. <laughs> so, so we are recording this on Friday, June 7th, and um, the jobs report came out. And there were only 75,000 new jobs added in the economy this past month, which was a disappointing number. You know, consensus estimates were 125 to 175,000 jobs. So the, the Trump economy is slowing down. But what it does not seem to be slowing down is the cannabis economy. Um, people are clamoring to get into this industry. And people from non-traditional industries looking to get into this industry. Or I should say people from traditional industries looking to get into cannabis. Um, a lot of our clients are, are poaching and hiring from, you know, really big companies like um, Twitter and Nike and fill in the, you know, mainstream company. Um, so I think it's a really interesting trend. And if you look at just our own company, you know, KCSA has been around for 50 years. And when we really got involved in the cannabis space about five years ago, there were about 25 of us. Mm. Today, there are almost 60 of us. And a large part of that growth can be ascribed to our our growth in the cannabis industry itself. Um it's amazing. And we are seeing people who are coming to want to work for us from healthcare public relations firms and investment banks and Wall Street who recognize that the you know, we named the podcast the Green Rush for a reason because it's real. You know, there there is this massive market that we are converting from the illicit to licit and people recognize that this is the, the it's not the next big thing, it's the now big thing. I think that's a byline. 
So we're going to be talking to somebody really interesting today. Um, uh, as per per our want, whenever we can, we talk with one of our clients. Um, and we are speaking with Liesl Bernard, the founder of Cannabis Team, which is the largest um, and most effective staffing agency in cannabis. And Liesl is uh, a really fascinating person in her own right and has some really, really, really interesting things to say about cannabis. So I think with that, we will go on to our conversation with Liesl Bernard um, from Cannabis Team. Liesl, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, you have been in the staffing field for a really long time. I mean, you're very young, but you've been doing this for a long time. So can you take us back to the beginning of your career? How did you decide that your job would be helping other people get jobs? Well, I actually started my career as a CPA um, working in auditing in Big Four. So I started my career with KPMG. Um, and uh, focused on finance um, and IT solutions. And um, pretty quickly, I realized that I'm not the best person to sit behind the desk and look at numbers all day. Um, and I actually went to one of the largest staffing firms in the world um, to help me find a job you know, in a, in a different arena in, in accounting and finance. And um, they led me to a little back room and uh, said that... Um, you know, you're one of the few CPAs that we found that actually have a, a personality and uh, have good interpersonal skills. How about jumping into the recruiting field and starting to recruit uh, finance and accounting professionals? Um, and at the time, that sounded like a lot more fun than than looking at numbers. So I kind of made the transition, um, you know, by default because it kind of just came up as an opportunity, but loved it from the very first day and became one of the company's top producers within the first year and then started about a 20-year career with one of the world's largest staffing firms working for them all over the world. I started their IT recruitment um, division in Australia for both the temporary and the um, direct hire uh, division um, and then also led the organization in Hawaii for eight years and, and ran about three or four divisions for them there. Um, across all the islands. Um, and then later on in my career, I focused exclusively on executive search. Um, so I held many hats in the 20 years that I worked for um, one of the largest staffing firms in the world. Um, and then about three years ago, I saw the opportunity in cannabis and started my own company. Lisa, cannabis is a huge stretch from what you were doing in the past from, you know, um, IT and finance and executive search. What was the aha moment that you had that led you to found cannabis team? Well, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, and I think in the back of my mind, um, I always wanted to start my own staffing and executive search firm, and I just didn't quite have the right you know, industry in play at the time, and about three years ago, one of um, the largest uh, cannabis firms approached me and said, can I do some executive search uh, for them? And at the time, um, the company that I worked for didn't allow us to work in the cannabis space. And, and I think a lot of the larger publicly traded companies still don't. Um, and I was told that I couldn't service this client. And a light bulb went up um, onto my head. And, and uh, I realized that this was my opportunity. Um, looking into it, I realized that there was a fantastic um, need for professional staffing firms in the cannabis space. Um, and I immediately took the opportunity and left and started started cannabis team. 
It's a, we had a similar experience here at KCSA. You know, we got involved with the cannabis industry five years ago. There were no PR firms and IR firms treating the industry the, the same way that we had been doing with financial services and with life science and with technology. So, you know, I think that there are lots of people like you and, and us who had this gestalt moment, this moment like, oh, my God. If we bring this same level of professionalism and discipline to cannabis, that there's this awesome opportunity. Um, you know, we're not a big agency. We're we're about sixty people now, uh, and running. I know as an owner that running a b- small business is hard, and you you often make mistakes early on that sometimes you think are going to kill you. What was the biggest mistake that you made early on that you went, oh shit, this is really gonna, this is this is it? And what did you what did you take from that? You know, it's strange, Lewis. I I really don't feel like we've made a ton of mistakes. Um, we have been growing organically, very very slowly and very methodically and very strategically. Um, we as we started growing, we ended up you know, having different focus areas. And I hired experts in different areas within within the recruitment field that could service our clients all the way from cultivation to extraction, manufacturing, uh, to dispensaries. And then my executive search team focused exclusively on C-level positions in the cannabis space. Um, so, you know, I feel very fortunate. Maybe I don't see um, see the, the challenges that we've had as mistakes and, and more as opportunities to, to grow. Um, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun and, and, um, I'm hoping that we can continue this trajectory. I want to talk about the economy for a moment. Um, we know it's the economy's hot right now, but unemployment is, is kind of in an odd place. Um, it's, it's at a a multi-decade low, but, um, you know, the job numbers that just came out, uh, we just talked about are a little bit disappointing, but the job market in cannabis seems to be booming. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. It's definitely the sexiest industry right now. You know, I think three years when three years ago when we started the company, we had to kind of convince candidates to take a chance on the industry um, and to make the switch maybe from a more corporate traditional role into the cannabis space. And we had to kind of set them at ease that, you know, they're not going to go to jail if they take this opportunity or, you know, that there's still going to be a job, you know, they're still going to be employed in, in 12 months from now. And it's incredible how it's changed over the last, you know, two years where, you know, we had to kind of convince candidates to take a to take a chance or take a risk. Now we're inundated with people that want to get into the industry. And, um, you know, we're getting people from all walks of life that that are trying to make the transition. Um, so, you know, as far as uh, the, the appeal is concerned, I think cannabis is definitely a very appealing industry to get into. And there's tons of job opportunities everywhere, all the way from, like I said, agriculture to executive level positions um, across the board. You, you know, you, you had talked about people, um, you know, concerned for, you know, careers in cannabis that they may be arrested or. Um, but I think the 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 other question that I have is, you know, if you're if you're a a candidate and you want to explore the cannabis industry or a career in it and you're, you're in the industry for a year or three years or five years um, and you want to then leave the industry, does having cannabis on your resume help or hurt or have no effect? And who wants to leave the cannabis industry? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> 
well, is there concern, you know, from people who are like, you know, I want to do this for a little bit, see what it's about, but I may not want to stay. How is it going to hurt my chances, you know, moving on? You know, I think that that is becoming less and less of a concern. You know, we definitely had those questions two years ago saying, you know, if, if, if I end up leaving, am I going to get judged for working in the, in the cannabis space? Um, it's very much a socially accepted industry now. It's, it's becoming, um, you know, the sexy industry to work in. There's a lot of opportunities and, and companies are paying well and also, you know, even offering equity. So they're enticing people to stay and to grow to grow with, with the companies that they join. So I really don't see that as an issue. Um, and, you know, I think as more and more states go legal and it becomes also recreationally legal in more and more states, um, it's just going to become another industry. And, you know, maybe, you know, three to five years from now when the federal regulations get lifted, um, that won't be an issue at all. Well, let's, let's stick with that, the, the location, right? Because you've got multi-state operators kind of all over the country, and there's 30-plus states now that have almost 40 states now that have a legal cannabis market, either medicinal or uh, adult use. Where are the jobs? Like, if you, were, if, you were, if you were looking out there, what states have the most need right now? Well, obviously, all the states that have gone either, either medically or, or both medical and recreational have most of the jobs. But, you know, I think there's a lot of states that are preparing to go legal. Um, so we're seeing, you know, a ton of growth all over the U.S. We're also seeing growth, obviously, in the U.S. and also in Europe. Um, we're getting a lot of international um you know, need as well. We've just placed a couple of people in Europe, which is exciting. And we're working on a few opportunities in South America. So it's really even beyond the U.S. market. Um, but, you know, within the U.S., obviously, California is a huge market. Um, the East Coast is really heating up with New York and New Jersey, um, you know, uh, going back to, to the to the vote soon. And Florida is hot. And, and so is Massachusetts. But with Illinois going legal last week, um, that's, you know, it's the whole country. So it's very, very exciting. And a lot of operators are in multi-states now. So we're recruiting people that are, are looking or that are, are willing to, um, to travel um, and to have a larger scope. So it's, it's a very, very exciting industry to get into. You, you mentioned earlier the, the use of equity, stock options and equity as a form of compensation. How do cannabis jobs compare to non-cannabis jobs in terms of comp and benefits and, you know, all, all, all the things that incent an employee to come and work. Yeah. And, you know, that's changing a lot too. Over the last couple of years, you know, initially we saw cannabis companies may maybe not paying, um, you know, up to market value for positions. And I think it's shifted over the last year. And especially as cannabis companies are getting well-funded, going public, um, and, you know, funding is not as much of an issue as it was a couple of years ago. Um, so now we're actually seeing that cannabis jobs are paying maybe even slightly higher than market. Uh, and also comp packages very often include um, an opportunity to earn or to get equity within these companies that are growing fast or going public. Um, as far as benefits are concerned, I think cannabis companies are still a little bit behind as far as the menu of benefits that they can offer. Um, that's changing, but most cannabis, cannabis companies only have a limited amount of benefits that they offer, such as medical, dental, vision. Uh, very few still, you know, have 401k pl uh, plans in place, you know, maybe because of the federal regulations. Um, but in general, it, they're very attractive pass, uh, packages and candidates are super excited to, um, 
you know, to kind of make the adjustment. By the way, there's such an easy joke to make about, you know, discounts and all the weed you can smoke, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you don't get credit for the bad jokes you don't make, Lewis. Yes, you do. Come on. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I had a client offer, offer some very interesting benefits the other day. They said you can drink as much coconut water um, in the office and also do as much yoga um, and um, have product <laughs> as part of your benefits. So that was um, definitely an interesting benefit package that they offered. <laughs> I mean... Lewis, I think I'd like to to have some coconut water delivered to the uh, to the LA office as part of my package. You you can do all the yoga you want and all the yoga. <laughs> okay, so is that Liesl, Is that a function? You know, these companies being um, you know a little bit behind in terms of their compensation packages. Is that a function of just the immaturity of the legal marketplace? I didn't hear the first part of your question. Are you talking about? 401k and, and those kinds of benefits? Yeah, I think just the, the packages that kind of entice, you know, C-suite, VP level executives, you know, they don't, they're not necessarily going to care about like their, who, the, who their dental provider is, but they may care about, you know, the stock options and the, and the, you know, 401k and stuff like that. Is that, you know, is there a lack of maturity in the space when it comes to some of those packages? Yes, I think that's that's part of it. But I also think that cannabis companies just don't have access to, you know, a 401k providers because a lot of those companies are are, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, public publicly traded companies. And those companies are still prevented from doing business with cannabis because of the federal re regulations. So getting access to very, you know, solid 401k plans and um, and the other, you know, types of benefits that big corporations can offer um, are a bit more are a bit trickier than, um, you know, than in the traditional industries. I know that I'm struggling with that for my team. You know, just getting, you know, some of the basic benefit benefits to um, to my team. Are are companies struggling to to find those carriers? You know, we we I personally um, have had problems with getting life insurance um, because we, you know, we are involved in the cannabis industry. Are the companies that you are placing candidates in, are they able to get carriage from big health insurance providers? Are they able to get the vision, the dental, the life insurance, the DNO insurance easily, or are they still struggling? You know, I think there's still a level of struggle involved, um, you know, and it, it, it all ties back to not being, uh, or federally still not being, um, or, or regulated fairly. I don't know how to put that. Maybe. It's not legal. It's not legal. Yes. Um, and so, you know, banking, uh, 401k plans, insurance, and it also state by state, it varies. So there's definitely still some, some challenges. Let's say I'm a middle-aged white guy working in, oh, I don't know, communication, <laughs> finance. What? <laughs> I miss. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you're saying imagine that. Well, okay. So it's a hard thing to do to, to picture me as like this middle-aged white guy. I get it. You know, I sound this young, vibrant, whatever. You guys can all laugh at me however you want. But, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are making this transition from the traditional corporate world into cannabis. Do you think the candidates you're seeing are looking at cannabis as a way out of their life or a way into the industry? 
Uh, that's a good question, and I guess it, it's probably going to be on a case by case basis. But in in general, we're 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 getting candidates that are, that are excited about the entrepreneurial opportunities within cannabis, the opportunity to really contribute. Um, and a lot of times, it it really comes from their heart. They want to they want to join the industry because they're passionate about about cannabis, how it's changed their lives, or how it's changed someone that's near and dear to them. Um, and also just the new new innovation that's happening in cannabis. There's constantly new products being innovated, uh, branding, marketing, you know, e-commerce uh, platforms, et cetera. So it's just the excitement of of doing something new and exciting and potentially having an upside at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, I would say it's probably more of a way in than a way out. Um, but, you know, it probably is a case by case basis as well. So candidates are always looking for a new home, right? You know, a job is more than just a job. Oftentimes, especially for the type of positions that you're placing people in, these are career decisions. When you're counseling candidates on how to look at the different cannabis companies that are out there, what are the the things that you're saying that they should look for? What are the the key indicators that looks like a a good place to work versus, yeah, it's a job and they're going to pay you well, but might not be the place where you want to land? You know, there's so much movement in the cannabis industry right now, and there's so many companies hiring. Um, so I, I think candidates really need to take their time and make sure that they're aligning their their passions um, with a company's vision and mission as well, and also really investigate the company's culture before they make that decision. Um, and a way to do that is to obviously do your homework, look at the media, um, look at what other employers are saying, you know, on, on job boards. Uh, look at the leadership team and really understand what their background and management skills and leadership skills are. Um, because I think ultimately you want to join a company that you're excited about, that you're happy working for, and that you're really going to be valued in as well. A lot of the cannabis companies today are, are growing super fast, and maybe they're not taking the time to really create a culture um, that's going to retain their best people and, and you know, value and empower their employees that, that work for them. A lot of the companies that you're placing candidates in are these big multi-state operators. Um, you don't have to name them, but but I will name some of the ones that are out there, whether you've placed them or not. But there's companies like Acreage Holdings and Cureleaf, Green Thumb, Cresco Labs. You know, these are the bigger multi-billion dollar market cap companies. Almost all of them are led by former financial guys. But you've also placed people in companies that have more of a, an authentic, you know, OG background in the industry. From a cultural perspective, is there a fundamental difference between the companies that have the the you know the 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 suits versus the historic stoners? And and from a, a place to look, would you say it's better to look at somebody who comes? from a, a more financial background as a leader or would you rather would you rather place a client with somebody who has you know the more authentic historic market participation uh that's a great question and you know it it depends on what a candidate is looking for and i think part of our job um and what i love to do and i know my whole team is very very passionate about this as well is that we want to place people in, a, in an environment that they're going to be super happy in and they're going to flourish in. And that's the art um, of, of making a good placement. So we really understand the culture of a company um, and what their mission and values are and then find employees that are aligned with that. So 
anybody can match a resume to a job description. You know, a computer can do that. But the art in in really high level recruiting and executive search comes in in making that match. That's a cultural fit, both from a leadership style perspective and then having employees that really flourish in that environment. So executives um, that come from a financial background do really well in running uh, big cannabis companies because they have the experience, they have the leadership skills, they probably have created um, you know, great cultures before, um, and they're, you know, they're probably new to the cannabis industry, but it's just a business as well, right? Um, when the, uh, on the other side, you know, if we have an employee that is excited about growing, um, and the, the client is, you know, just focused on cultivation, that may be a matter, better match for them there. So it's our job to make sure that candidates are placed in an environment that that's a good match for them, both from a skill set and from a personality fit perspective. So what makes for a good candidate right now? What makes for a good candidate in cannabis? Yeah, yes. Let me, let me rephrase the question. The cannabis industry needs everybody. They need accountants they need retailers they need you know people who can make you know a window in a front the front window of a store look good but what makes for a good a good candidate generally more and more cannabis companies are looking for people with you know good education and good experience in an, or you know strong experience in a certain area uh, but really what truly makes a, a, a candidate's you know, succeed in the cannabis industry is they need to have a certain emotional intelligence to be flexible, um, that can, you know, they can, they can change on a whim, um, because in most, most cases, candidates need to wear multiple hats within the industry. Um, and they have to have that entrepreneurial spirit because things in the cannabis industry change constantly right now. There's compliance that change. There's other regulations that change. There's product branding that changes, packaging, et cetera. So they need to have the ability to be all hands on deck, but have the passion and the entrepreneurial spirit to be able to be flexible and, and adapt. And those are the candidates that, that really succeed in the cannabis industry. And the ones that fail? The ones, the ones that fail, that come from a, maybe a very corporate background, that need a lot of structure, um, that need to be told exactly what to do, and that they can kind of work outside certain parameters, they generally don't do well in cannabis and, and probably won't like the, the, the somewhat chaos that's, that's constantly happening at, at present. You know, over the course of the almost 90 plus episodes that we've done here, we've interviewed everybody and their mother in this industry. Um, and we often ask about what their relationship is with the plant. And before I ask you about it, um, does a does a candidate actually have to smoke pot to be a good team member? Or do, do companies don't care that employees have a relationship with cannabis? Most companies want someone to be passionate about their vision and their mission and whether they, they smoke or not um, is kind of irrelevant and it's not often a question um, we, we get you know, a- asked to ask candidates when we screen them. Um, but they do want people that are highly invested in, in where they're going and what they're doing. And, and to be honest with you, most candidates that jump into the industry are passionate for some other reason, whether it's personal or whether it's affecting someone close to them. Um, so I'm going to ask you, 
you know, I have I I am well disclosed on this show about my my relationship with cannabis and that I tend to to prefer edibles and and you know when we started this was you know a very very infrequent user and I still think she's a relatively infrequent user but her you know again her her consumption method of choice is edibles. Do you have a relationship with the plant that you're comfortable talking about? Yes, for sure. Um, I am very involved with alternative health. It's always been a passion of mine. And I think that's why I love working in this industry so much, because it combines all the things that I'm super passionate about. I love working with people. I love helping people find careers that they're passionate about. And I think I have a strong intuition for business and can sense what kind of talent a business needs in order to be successful. Um, and then on top of that, I'm passionate about alternative health and, and natural products. So, um, of course, I'm a user and I use it for various various um, health benefits for both myself, my children and um, even even pets. So I'm a I'm a big believer in cannabis. I'm a big believer in alternative health. And, you know, this is just a fantastic way for me to combine all my passions into into one one, you know, focus area. So you, you have children. I have children. I think your kids are a little bit older than mine. Mine are early teenagers. I have a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old, and they know what I do. They know that I, I work in public relations and that I represent cannabis companies. They listen to this podcast, and they roll their eyes at me often when I make my dad jokes. Um, how, do you, how did you talk to your kids about getting involved in cannabis and, and, and making this leap into this industry? You know, initially I was a little bit nervous, um, and I, I live in a fairly conservative community um, in California, and it slowly came out, you know, what I focused on. Um, and initially, you know, I think, uh, you know, a year or two years ago it was a different story, but today I'm I'm kind of the cool mom, and I come <laughs> home with, I come come home with uh, samples, and I tell my my sons which which clients we work with. And um, I definitely, you know, I, I think it's definitely switched from being, oh, mom, don't tell, don't tell them what you do to, you know, my mom is working in the cannabis space. So um, it's, uh, it's fun. I'm still not the cool dad. Trust me. I mean, you, you may be the cool mom, but there's no, I don't think I will ever be the cool dad. Uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it, it's not very often that I'm the cool mom, but I have my moments now, which is, which is fun. Um, I want to go back to, you, you know, you're running a small business. How many, how many people do you have working for you now? You know, we're, we're growing super quickly at the moment because we're also going to be expanding uh, nationally. Um, we're looking to um, start an office in Illinois and also in New York. And, um, you know, we're nudging on 20 people and uh, probably going to double that in the next uh, 6 to 12 months, which is very exciting. That is exciting. Um, so my firm is a partnership. I have two business partners and Jeffrey and Todd, and each of us have different skill sets, different strengths and weaknesses. You know, my, and trust me, I have plenty of weaknesses and, and will attest to that. Um, but, but the cool thing about having a partner is that we can rely on each other. So, you know, my, my real strengths are, you know, big vision, big picture, kind of seeing around the corner for the next big thing. You know, Jeffrey is much more the, um, the, the guy who keeps the train running on the tracks. And Todd, um, you know, while running the investor relations side, is very much focused on the money so that we're always, you know, focused on profitability. And it's really helpful to have this because we are able to, to support each other. 
Who do you rely on? Who do you get to turn to 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 amplify your strengths and cover for where you're weaker? I have a fantastic support group. Um, I have an amazing team, um, and I, you know, I think I understand my strengths and weaknesses very well. Um, which I think, you know, after fifty years, you you kind of, you know, get to know yourself a bit better. Um, so I have a, a fantastic executive assistant that pretty much is my, my alter ego and she picks up where I drop the ball. Um, and I also have a couple of partners in the business that, um, that are, that, that have strengths in it and administration functions that I probably tend not to like as much as being strategic and, and <laughs> doing business development and sales and, and dealing with, with clients. Um, so, you know, I think we, I've created a, a team that's very complimentary and I also have an amazing advisory board that um, is a fantastic sounding board for me. And we get together, um, you know, either by a you know, conference call or in person every couple of months. And they all have incredible experience as business leaders um, and entrepreneurs. And I rely on them heavily to, to guide me as we continue to grow the business. Do you remember the very first person that you placed uh, as a part of Cannabis team? I do, I do. I uh, we placed a number of dispensary managers um, in the first couple of months um, in launching the business, and uh, it was so fun. It was so fun in just getting into the industry and realizing, you know, how creative we have to be to attract talent, but also to fill these positions because there's not a lot of people that have cannabis experience. So we have to use our creativity to go find the talent that's going to transition well into the different aspects of cannabis. And I think that's the art of what we do. Um, it's, there's no box that you can take a candidate out of and fit them in the perfect box in cannabis. It's all about taking initiative and, and being creative and, you know, doing the art of what we do, you know, and, and finding people that fit well into roles and that will succeed. So the first time you went to, a corporate CFO who was at a consumer packaged goods company or, you know, a, a, a traditional retailer and said, hey, look, I don't know if you're happy in your job, but I've got this opportunity with Acreage Holdings or I've got this opportunity with Forefront or whomever. How were you initially received? You know, I think people were always curious about cannabis, you know, even three years ago. Um, but three years ago, especially with people in finance and accounting and that maybe had a professional license such as a CPA, they were really concerned that if they um, explored or or took an opportunity within the cannabis space that they were going to even lose their certification. So, you know, the CFOs that I talked to um I really had to tap people with that entrepreneurial spirit that had the ability or the desire to take a bit of a risk um, on the shoulder because the traditional CFOs probably um, are a little bit more risk averse. And uh, it took a bit of convincing to, to fill some of those jobs. And are they coming back to you now and, you know, sending you notes or pre-rolls or something to thank you? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I get I get a lot of product as gifts, which um, <laughs> which is which is fun. Um, but yes, it's a completely different uh, playing field now, and and people are having a lot of fun, you know, just because they're they're able to wear many hats and they really feel like they're contributing contributing to the growth of some of these companies. And you don't always get that sense of satisfaction when you work in the corporate environment. 
So is there any position that you've been dying to fill in one of these companies that have you've just yet to find a candidate for? I have to say no. Um, I And I don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but I have an incredible team and, you know, every position that we've given the opportunity to fill, um, we've been able to do. And, and I think it's because of our creativity and our tenacity and really understanding our clients' needs and, and the culture fit that's required for each position. Um, so uh, we have a fantastic fill rate. We fill most positions within 30 to 35 days, which is wow. in, in in the the placement space. But, you know, again, uh, kudos to my team um, and the passion for, for working with our clients. A lot of our listeners probably are going, ooh, I want to get involved. How do I get out of my corporate job and, and, and have you place me? So how do they reach you? How do they reach your team? Well, probably the easiest way to connect with us is to either connect um, on our website. We post most of our jobs on our website and the changes almost on a daily basis. Um, the website for our direct hire placement is cannabisteam.com and cannabis with a Z. So C-A-N-N-A-B-I-Z team.com. Um, and also on LinkedIn, we post a lot of our jobs on LinkedIn, on Indeed, um, or reach out to me directly on, uh, on LinkedIn, at and least we'll, Bernard. And we'll put all this in the show notes. So we are at the last question. Um, and it's a question that we ask all of our guests, which is called why you were sleeping. So tomorrow you're going to wake up It's Saturday morning. You're going to open up the San Diego Union Tribune or the Orange County Register or the L.A. Times. What is the story that you wish that they were writing tomorrow? What is the most underreported story in cannabis out there? Gosh, I wasn't prepared for that question. <laughs> Zing. Uh, yes. Um you know, I, I think for me is I just want to highlight the fact that this is a whole new industry and there's so many opportunities that people may not be aware of. Um, and um, I would encourage anyone that's looking for a new challenge, um, that's looking to broaden their um, ability to contribute um, and to grow professionally to look into the cannabis space. You know, it's such an exciting industry and we're just at the, the beginning stages of where it's going to go. So if you're curious or, or interested, do it now because, you know, three to four years from now, the people that did do it now are going to be light years ahead as far as uh, their experience level is concerned. And, um, you know, they're going to be sought after and probably demand very high salaries. So, uh, you know, do it now. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lewis. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Lisa. Have a great weekend. So a special thanks to Liesl Bernard, CEO and founder of Cannabis Team. And if you want to reach out to her, as she said, you can reach her at www.cannabiz, C-A-N-N-A-B-I-Z, team, T-E-A-M dot com. Um, as always, if you want to chat with us, not on a shitty Skype connection, you can reach us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle on Twitter at the underscore green rush or on Instagram with the handle at the green rush underscore podcast. You can always email us hate mail. You can email hate mail to Skype as well through us at 
greenrush at kcsa.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. It's that little button right up there. Um, and as always, we couldn't have done this without Nick Opich, our, our intrepid producer, and Shay Gunther. And that is one take, Shay. One goddamn take.